people who are sad or people who go through sad shit they use that especially when they're creative it's like your fuel like if something bad doesn't happen to me it's like what am i gonna talk about what am i gonna do i'm gonna be happy what event like this has caused you to contemplate your direction so last year in may at the beginning of the month i experienced like heartbreak for the first time like for real for real because it was like my first love so it was also like my first real heartbreak and then two weeks later my best friend traumatically died maybe three days after my best friend died i just got back into work and i was um i'm very much sometimes like a person where i overthink and i'm like am i just being lazy like am i blaming what's going on like with being unproductive and i just like covered myself in work and um i didn't talk about it which was probably the worst part about it because i felt like if i talked about it with my teammates or the people that I was around it was going to cause them to be unmotivated or sad or you know bring down the energy so I just kept it a secret I just didn't talk about it and then like six months later I realized like I was contemplating suicide and I like didn't feel anything and I remember like sitting in the car and looking out the window on the way to the studio and being like I've haven't felt anything like nothing for so long this is sad boy radio go on everybody welcome back to sad boy radio i'm your host matt and today we got a really special guest we've been chopping it up for like an hour already so shit's cool but go ahead so i'm christina baka most people know me as baka i'm a choreographer creative director and i also co-own campus house so go ahead and talk about how you got involved with canvas real quick so i was hoping to move to chicago just to learn how to start dancing like being a hip-hop dancer um i would also like choreograph quinceañeras on the side so i was like maybe one day i could open up a dance studio and like choreograph quinces um so i moved out here and i started working as a mortgage loan consultant and i was the administrative assistant as well so i was learning a lot about business and in that time i met alan like just through instagram and uh his brother jiggy had asked me to like dance with him because i had been posting more like dance videos of um, me going to class and literally i went to dance with them for one show and then instantly they just started hitting me up and at the time it was alan jiggy and like three other maybe four other people and it was just such a cool thing to me because it was a group of a bunch of different creatives and they were all really tight and they did shows all the time and i was like yo this is something i didn't even think existed in chicago but i mean you're here now right you're doing what you want to do and especially four and a half years later when you look back that shit it flies by so fast yeah like i feel like it was a whole different lifetime ago like that was a whole life and now I'm li- I feel like I'm a new me. How old are you? I'm 23. 23? Mhm. And you've been through so much right now. I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing, but make sure you go ahead like, comment and subscribe. You're not going to want to miss this one. All right. So let's just jump right into it, right? We've been chopping it up for a while. I believe there's always a balance in between everything like a spectrum. And I don't like asking people for shit because I've had someone like rub it in my face like I did all of this for you. And I didn't like that because it was like you if you feel like you made me like there's a problem. Like, what am I actually doing for myself? But then I realized, like, it is important to rely on your community to help you and to let you get to the next level. So right now I'm trying to find, like, a good balance between asking and not asking. But the thing with you, like, with you guys is you have that built in community where you guys are all close. Like, say 
say you needed something from Hayward, say you needed to get in contact with somebody he knows, right? You guys are all close enough to just be like, yo, like, plug me in with that person, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, me, yes, I do this, and I'm able to talk to people and be cool with them, but it's like, we don't get to that personal level where it's like, yo, like, can you plug me with this person? And a lot of people offer, they'll be like, yo, like, if you ever need somebody, if you ever want me to put you in contact with somebody, let me know. But it's also like, how many times can you do that before it becomes like, oh, you're just hitting me up for this, you know? Type shit. I feel that. That's how I think about it. So. I try to get to everyone, like, super personal. Unless, I, unless your vibe doesn't really match with mine, mm-hmm. I'd be kind of, like, staying in my pocket. But for the most part, whenever I meet somebody, I try to make it, like, very personal like i know you and now you're even like a part of our community like you know what we're doing i know what you're doing so it's funny that you say that because i was um trying to get contacts for someone and i hit up my homie that does a lot of events for them but like homie kind of i had just met him a few times um and i was like yo i'm trying to get tapped in like i know alan would be a great performer for this like i would love to get their contact and he was like that's not how it works and I was like, fuck. I was like, that's the first time someone said that to me. He said, that's not how it works. You have to work to get to who, because they're a big name in Chicago. And all literally for Chicago, uh, San Diego, like they're all over. Um, so me thinking like I'm still in my own community, I reached out to this person and he was like. "Yeah." But I respect that more than someone's being like, yeah, 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 I got you, I got you, I got you. Mm-hmm. And then never like hits you up. Okay, yeah. That's true. As far as, like, Alan, like, Alan's a homie, like, uh, legit. I prefer, like, having a relationship where it's on a personal level rather than telling him, like, yo, like, what's up? You know what I'm saying? Let's get back to it, right? So we were talking about this earlier, and you also mentioned it, like, being a creative, right? I took a song from Alan, actually, (laughs) that feeling. He says, my dreams is haunting me. Show me what I want to be. Show me what I'm going to be. Show me everything I'm going to be. Before I wake up and slave to a job that don't put much up on my pay stub. Mm-hmm. As a creative, right, you're always, you're working towards something. You're working, 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 working. And sometimes it feels like you're never going to get it because mm-hmm. now you got to come up with a new plan. And if that plan fails, what do you do next? Mm-hmm. And as a creative, you got to think, okay, how can I make money off of this shit? Otherwise, I got to go to that job that I fucking hate. They don't mm-hmm. fucking pay me enough to do this shit. Now I'm working two jobs because I'm a creative and I'm also working, right? That doubt starts to set in and you're like, fuck, like, when is it going to pay off? And I know for you, you got your community, but as a person for yourself, right, what have you had to learn about yourself to overcome these specific obstacles where it's like doubts continuing? I think I had to stop taking everything so seriously. I used to take everything like seriously to the point where I would like wake up and that's all I was doing trying to figure it out and I had these super extreme high expectations for myself and when they weren't being accomplished I was just like yo like what am I gonna do I'm still not making all of my rent just being a dancer um and what I had to really sit down and do was like okay let me minimize my goals a little bit let me be more realistic on what I can do in the next six months and what I can do in the next year and what I can do in the next three years. And once I started being more analytical about, okay, maybe I can't be Travis Scott's background dancer in a year. Let me be realistic. What can I do to get there? I have to learn about marketing. I have to learn about, um, you know, building a team. I have to learn about wardrobe, like so many different things 
And then once you learn about everything and then you start to adapt yourself into like actually working on it, you see yourself growing naturally rather than me being so serious on like, I got to be the best. I got to be the best. I had to just like bring it back and be like, let me live in the moment. Let me be happy. And then also follow my passion and understand that it's also my business. So I would say just stop taking everything so, so seriously, but also be real with yourself about what you can accomplish and when you can accomplish it. Because always waking up in the morning and being like, I'm going to be Drake's background dancer. There's really no like goal setting there. It's more like false hopes, you know. Um, and then also work with people that you feel comfortable with. Uh, and this is something we were talking about earlier, too. Like, I started hating dancing because I was only dancing to music that was paying me that I didn't like. And then I, I saw my dancers didn't like it either, and it created, like, this weird energy. Um, so I really had to, like, focus and make sure that every job that I'm booking, it's not a job that's making me step away from my morals. It's not a job that's making me step away from even what I like to listen to because creatively – like, I, in general, I'm a creative. I love to listen to music. I love to dance. I love to talk. I love to just create things. So if I'm going against my grain creatively, that's when everything starts getting, like, blurry. Um, so that's another really big thing is, like, work with people that make you happy and that make you want to keep progressing and keep uh, inspiring you. Mm -hmm. I felt that. I felt that on a new level. Because you will be very, like, lost in the sauce trying to always be that businesswoman. It's not always that. And it's also just, like, trying to please everybody that you're working with, right? Because mm -hmm. as a business, it's your obligation to make sure that what they're paying for is satisfactory, right? That they like what they're getting. Right. But you also want to stick to what you do. You want to make sure that what you're putting out relates to you. That's just mm -hmm. what I was telling you right now. It's like, when that episode hits, for me, it's like, damn, that shit hit. Mm -hmm. That's a hit. Put it out. Because it's genuine. You yeah. feel me? It's genuine and you feel it and it's real rather than like I'm really trying hard. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that even transpires into relationships. Like when you meet somebody and they're trying way too hard to be the homie and it's like I really just like people that come up to you with like you don't feel like there's an agenda. There's any. It's just real personal. You know what I'm saying? Like what's good mm -hmm. type vibes. That's one of the harder things that I have of reading is like, when is it just genuine and when is it like, oh, like, what does this person want, right? Mm -hmm. And that's just what we were talking about. But for me, it's like, I don't ever want to come off as like, oh, I want something from you. And mm -hmm. that's hard because people right. always think that you want something from them, no matter what it is. Um, I don't know, man. I just always uh, go back to that, that it's like, if I text you to check up on you, that's because, like, I genuinely care. Like, I want to know how you're doing. Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to support you no matter what. Like, whether you fucking tell me, like, you don't want to talk or not, I'm just, you know, I'm going to be me. Mm -hmm. That trait that you developed in making sure how to uh, define that, fuck. Balance. How to define that divide, right? Mm -hmm. How has that trait helped you advance business-wise? Honestly, I base a lot of my work off, like, my moral compass. So I feel like if it's anything that would be, and also I have to think about the group of ladies that I work with. I work with a group of about like five to six ladies. Um, they dance with me, they model with me. Um, so not only do I have to think outside of my moral compass, I have to also be thinking outside of what they're gonna feel comfortable doing. Um, if I feel like it's a job that, you know, it's gonna pay us good, I know they need to pay their bills, and it might not be our favorite song, 
but it's going to get us somewhere, you know, a little bit of cash, then I'll be okay with it. But as long as I feel like they're not going to be comfortable doing something or I'm not going to be comfortable doing something, then I just don't even take up the job. Um, yeah, just because it's just not worth it, honestly. I don't want to leave my job ever feeling like I'm at a nine to five doing some shit I don't want to do. And I think that's the hard part sometimes because sometimes the jobs you don't want to do pay the best uh, and you just have to say no. How do you get these jobs? Kind of like what you said earlier, at first, when I first started, I was very much like reach out. Like I would spend hours on Instagram like, hey, I'm, uh, I'm Baca, I'm a choreographer in Chicago, like I love your music. And I would like sit there and listen to artist music like at least three or four songs and study them and be like, okay, I like this person, let me reach out to them. And that was about for like six months that I did that. And I kind of, after those six months, I kind of took a step back and just started developing my actual technique as a dancer. And because I had planted all those seeds, it's just kind of like started, people just started reaching out to me. And also I started taking Instagram seriously. Um, I used to be afraid of being egotistical or being looked at like as I was like super like into myself because I was always posting. Um, but I met some people that were like, yo, this is actually my everyday job. Like I make $5,000 off Instagram a day just posting videos. You can be doing that, you know? And I had to take myself out of that and be like, let me take my social media seriously and treat it like a real business. And let me also develop myself as a person and develop myself as a dancer. And once I did all those three things, honestly, like people just started hitting me up all the time. Like, hey, I need dancers for this. I need dancers for this. And then um, four months ago, I developed the team crew. Uh, it's an extension of Canvas. And as soon as people saw me with a team of girls, it was just like everybody was like, yo, I need dancers, yo, I need dancers, I need dancers. Because before I was alone or with one other girl um, or with a few dancers. But I think once people really see you brand something, they're like, those are the people I want. And also the team is a very diverse group of women. You know, we have even like um, non-binary women on there. So you can kind of get every little, uh, the taste of the rainbow. So I think it was really about like setting the team, setting my intentions and just like maneuvering with that. It wasn't crew the original name of Canvas. Of Canvas yeah. yeah. Is that why you did that? No, so um, I started the team just as a training team like just I just wanted a few girls dance because I was getting booked for stuff and then I would have to like grab girls and be like okay look I have to show this choreography we have one week to rehearse um, so I was like let me create a team we have like 10 choreographies if we ever get booked we can throw in whatever we can throw in um, so I started training with them and literally like two weeks later we got booked for like five shows and people kept asking me like what's the name of your group what's the name of your group and so I was talking to the girls and I was like, I want to do something creative where like it kind of goes with Canvas because like that's home, you know, like I'm I'm Canvas, Canvas is me, like Canvas is everything. Um, so I was trying to think of something that started with a C, but we could change it into a K so it could go into it. And we thought of like so many names, but the thing that stuck the most was crew. What, what were the other names the, off the top of your head? <laughs> Cats was one fucking, what was another one? Escorts was like the one that everyone kept saying. As a joke, as a joke. We just thought of a whole bunch of funny shit. We really couldn't think of anything serious. It was just like, we were just laughing about it so much. And I was like, I think crew is a great representation because there's like our core group of Canvas, which is like 
all the different types of creatives, but the goal is for everyone to create their own communities between those, you know, creative uh, cultures. And this was my avenue of it. So when you think of Canvas, there's a crew, it's a dance crew. And that's what we are. I like that. Thank I, you. I like that meaning, yeah. But it was funny because me and Alan had a whole moment. We were like, bro, like the runaround, like you started uh, Canvas as crew. And then like I branched out and started my own little community of dancers because we used to like want everyone to be a part of the core group of Canvas. But there would be dancers that would be like, yo, I'm not trying to do all that. <laughs> like, that's a lot of work. Like, I just really just want to come here and dance. And that was a lesson Alan and I had to learn because we'd be like, okay, like, you want to be a dancer, but come do all the shit that we're doing. And, like, Alan and I are tapped into the cinematography and the music and the events and the, you know, just business of it. And I really had to take a step back and realize some people just want to dance. And that's a beautiful thing to just, like, really be passionate about dancing. So um, we just got to respect those people and guide them into their best dance journey that they can. And um, eventually, like, I, Janet is one of the people that has really stuck out to me and being like, I want to do more than dance. I'm a businesswoman. Like, I want to hustle. I want to get into different avenues. So it's kind of almost like a stepping block also, like, coming through the dance community. And if you really want to be a part of the core group of Canvas and the business of it, that was kind of like your stepping block into it rather than just getting thrown in. Because it is a lot. It's a lot. Um, so the dance thing is just kind of like a nice wave in, you know. How do you feel like being a part of that core group has helped you? Or like, how do you feel like it's helped you and what negative aspects do you see to it? Um, it's helped me in the way that I've really developed to be accountable. Um, I've developed to be witty, like smart, like on my feet. Um, I've developed to really learn what it means to care about other people and their goals. Um, and just in general, I come from a big family. Like I grew up, I'm the last of six and then the oldest of two, I like to say, because my siblings had kids when they were really young. So I'm used to being in a pack and that's my pack in a way, you know? Um, I would say, I wouldn't necessarily say there's anything negative about it. The only thing that I've struggled with, I would say is like bringing people into the team and then having them exit. Um, it's just like, as a leader, it makes you like really rethink yourself and be like, what am I doing wrong? Um, like I'm very much like, if something goes wrong, I'm, I look at myself first. Like, what did I do not to, to cause this to happen? Um, and then you just have to realize like some people just aren't meant for it at that time of life or some people are just meant to start their own thing, you know? So that's something that I really had to come to terms with was like not everyone's meant to always be here, but even if I was able to open up a door or show them something different about life, that's the role I played in their life. And I'm still very thankful for all those relationships that came in and sometimes left. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. when you own a business, like, it's very serious, you know? So, like, you can't have people dicking around too much. You got to – it's like a friend group. There's always that friend that's kind of, like, a little toxic, and you're like, okay, we can deal with you because you're the homie. But, like, when it comes to being in a business, like, unfortunately, you are cut. <laughs> and you got to get out of here. <laughs> she said, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that was, like, the biggest thing I struggled with. But I'm learning to be better at it and just be more accepting of it. I think overall, just, like, when it, it almost feels like it's a failure, right? Because it's mm -hmm. like, damn, the shit that I put together, like, it just failed. Mm -hmm. And now it's, okay, let's go back to the drawing board. What did we do wrong? How do I fix it? Mm -hmm. 
And sometimes there's really no solution, right? Because you could be doing everything right. Just that's not the lifestyle that's meant for certain people. And especially because, I mean, I don't want to like, I don't want it to feel like I'm judging you guys, right? Because that's not that's not what it is. But you guys do a lot. So, you know, just like you said, sometimes it's not meant for this person. Sometimes this person just wants to do this. And you also got to make sure that people are buying into what you guys believe in, right? Because Absolutely. if people aren't buying into it, then really what are they around for? Absolutely. And the way that Canvas holds itself is we're a very, like, moral-based community you know like i've gotten around a lot of other communities and it's more about like clout or making money or getting here getting here and really like we're our biggest thing is just like building community and building people around us and um i think the beautiful thing about alan and i's partnership is like i was raised in a pack so i'm used to being in a pack that's just natural for me and alan wasn't so he like he looks for that you know what i'm saying like he wants it and together when we um, were able to come together we started bringing so many different people from different avenues um, and like we just really like to make sure that everybody always feels at home when they're with us and if not we're very much like we'll find you a new home uh, we used to live in the loft and the loft is like we called it the orphanage because <laughs> literally like people would just come and live for like a month or two and like some people would find their creative avenue living with us, and then some people would be like, yo, like, this is a lot. Like, I'm not sure if I'm ready for this, but we were, we've always just been really open to having more people come in and, like, see what it's like because, again, how I said at the beginning, a lot of us aren't taught that, and a lot of us don't have the role models to be like, you can branch off and do your own thing. So that's really, like, what we like to do is just teach people. Like, it's very much possible. Mm, you guys give them, like, options and... Just, like, I really liked what you said about, like, the role models and shit because you really don't have that opportunity to mm -hmm. see people do it, right? Vic was the first person that allowed me to come to the studio and be like, yo, like, this is what's possible. Mm -hmm. And you don't get that a lot of the times. A lot of the times you'll reach out to somebody, say, hey, I want to learn from you or I want to be in the studio. I the gatekeepers? Yeah, and they're like, They're nah, like, nah, nah, you're nah, not nah, here nah. yet. And it's nah. like, honestly, we've gotten hate for it because, uh, like, I know, like, we headlined World of Dance last year. And I know some dancers that have been in the dance community for years and they've been waiting for the opportunity. They kind of looked at us like, you know, because we gave the opportunity to a bunch of underdog dancers. Um, I pretty much just found the dancers that I felt like wanted to be a part of the community but didn't necessarily know how or didn't have all the connections. And I was like, look, just come train with us for the next three months and you'll get to headline World of Dance, but just take it seriously. And I think everyone's just so used to like, oh, I want it, like you need to get here to here to here to here to finally be able to get to the big top, top notch. But we're, we like to cut the line, you know what I'm saying? Like. We cut the line because we have so many, com so much community, and also we're so willing to share, and we're so uh, key holders. Like if you need something, I got you, and if I need something, I got you, and that's why it always feels like we're unstoppable. Like whenever I have an idea, I never feel like it's too big of an idea because I got 50 people behind me. There's no idea that's too big at this point, you know. So I think that's what makes us as Canvas it's very special. What would you say is the biggest idea that you've had that you were able to successfully complete? I would say, uh, so Indie Media through a fashion show, 
and they wanted me to be one of the choreographers but instead of choreographing the whole thing with a bunch of people I didn't necessarily like know too much I just asked if we could have the ending of the show so give me 10 minutes and I'll throw like something really cool together um, and so I got a, three different clothing brands three different music artists I think five different models and I would say like 12 different dancers and we throw an in, we threw an interactive fashion show so it was just like highlighting a bunch of different cultures a bunch of different art a bunch of different music a bunch of different models and when I first thought of the idea I was like yo this is kind of far-fetched I don't know if I can do this I don't know who's gonna listen you know what I'm saying because bringing people to rehearse is a whole nother thing like I feel like the day of the show everybody's like oh this is cool but the preparation for these shows be so intense especially when there's dancing and you know you got to coordinate the artist um so i just like put my you know i got my little notes together and i organized it as best as i could and watching it come to life was the most beautiful thing like i got to see the clothing brands like start connecting with the music artists and the music artists start connecting with the dancers and the dancers were connecting with the models and i felt like for the first time i was able to curate an event where so many different forms of avenues were able to talk to each other, perform together, and then we were also able to inspire other people to step out of their comfort zone. Because I think a lot of people are so used to being like, well, I'm a dancer, I'm only gonna meet dancers. I make podcasts, I'm only gonna meet podcasts. You know what I'm saying? Like, And it was uh, very beautiful to create a space where people were like, hey, I wanna get to know everybody. I wanna know everybody. So that was something that I was super proud of myself. And hopefully by the end of the summer, we'll throw a whole like hour set. And I'm hoping that the theme is called, is culture. So we'll have with culture with a K. You just thought of that. I'm not even gonna steal that for culture with a K. Uh, but yeah, I, that's what I would say was like my biggest. And it was only because I had a community with me, you know, and I remember, um, it, the studio, Indie Media, was closer to where everyone was at, so we were using the space. And the owner came up to me, he was like, how do you get so many people to do shit like this? And I was like, honestly, they're all my friends. Like, I just, I'm really cool with everybody, and people believe in what I got going on. And also, I, um, I took this from Tanya the other day, because we were doing, like, yoga in the morning, and she was like, people will always follow you better, follow the movement better, if they take if you take yourself seriously because I know I've walked into rehearsals where the choreographer or the director is like unsure and they're kind of like all over the place and it makes me feel the same way but when I walk into a place where like they're serious and they're taking themselves serious especially if it's a woman of color like I feel so inspired like now I want to I know I have to take it serious like this is a big deal no matter what we're doing I'm going to take this shit seriously because the person I'm supposed to be looking at is taking it seriously and that's what I've just kind of been reflecting on myself a lot um, we're going to have interns this summer and I have a, I have like 15 or 20 of them and like I just have to like really step into a whole nother seriousness of myself to make sure that I'm developing these young kids to be the best version of themselves at the end of the summer that they can be by taking myself seriously. Damn, 15 to 20. How does that make you feel? Um, it makes me really excited. I really like to organize things and I really like to um, allow, I love to give other people opportunity and I'm big on being a voice for someone that has never had that voice. Uh, like I said, when I, when I moved here, I had never seen what it means to be a, a professional dancer or a choreographer. So I didn't know that was even a thing. So when I started seeing other people doing it and people like me that look like me in power with money, like 
I was so inspired. Like, I was like, yo, that can actually be me because where I grew up, it was just white people. And the only time I would see Latino people was working at restaurants, working as a janitors. So me, I'm in fourth grade thinking, what does it mean to be Latino? It means to be poor. You know what I'm saying? I only see rich people be white. I only see successful people be white. I'm only being taught that white people are successful in school. So be, it, that's why I'm so grateful to move to Chicago. Like Chicago taught me like, um, I worked for Cash Drop. We were talking about it earlier and he was an immigrant and he created this beautiful empire for him and his family to be able to be um, self-sustainable. And that was the most, like literally you can, I literally cried after the event like because not only did I was able to serve my girls an opportunity to work and make good money but being able to see an immigrant do something like I would love to do for my family is just build residual wealth and everyone's you know like everyone's making money and happy it was just so inspiring to see someone like that and young it was a whole bunch of young rich ass Latino business owners and that shit was beautiful as fuck man I, I just never thought of it the way that you thought of it right because growing up I always saw like I was telling you, my neighborhood's so diverse that mm -hmm. I see people of color. You know, they got, they got some sort of money, right? Mm -hmm. But to think that a Hispanic person could only ever be broke or ever be poor, right? That shit never crossed my mind. And to me, that's probably because of how I grew up, right? I mm -hmm. I lived comfortably, or I grew up comfortably. You know, I was never, oh, we're going to go broke or, oh, this shit's going to happen to us. Mm -hmm. And... That's definitely a blessing, right? Yeah, and that's why it's really important to, like, just understand everybody and the journey that they're going through. And I used to be a little... So, like, my biggest pet peeve is lazy people. Because I grew up with my mom, like, working all fucking day. Like, my siblings working hardest. Everyone around me just worked really hard for the minimum. So when I saw lazy people, I get, like... It's almost, like, makes my blood boil. Like, let's go. Let's move it. And I had to start realizing, like... Not everyone was raised in the way that I was raised. And once you start realizing that, it just kind of like switches your perspective and then makes you almost a better leader because you're able to adapt to every person that you come in contact with. Like, okay, this person needs X amount of developing. This person needs X, Z, Y amount of developing. So it's just really important to understand, like, your struggles aren't less than mine. They're just different. All right, let's pull the curtain back a little bit, right? You talked about pursuing your dreams while also dealing with trauma, dealing with heartbreak, dealing with all these other things, right? Mm -hmm. And that shit's crazy, bro. The, I was just talking to Abel about it. You know, we just talked about Abel. That uh, Shout out, Abel. Hey, Abel, I'm going to send you this shit. But um, <laughs> when I think about that, it's like you mentioned going through that shit, right? Mm -hmm. To me, I'm like, damn, that's fuel, and I just read somebody's Instagram post. It was my boy, Cool. I just, I just interviewed him, too. And it's like people who are sad or people who go through sad shit, they use that, especially when they're creative. It's like your fuel. Like if something bad doesn't happen to me, it's like, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to do? I'm going to be happy. What event like this has caused you to contemplate your direction? So last year in May... At the beginning of the month, I experienced, like, heartbreak for the first time, like, for real, for real. Because it was, like, my first love, so it was also, like, my first real heartbreak. And then two weeks later, my best friend traumatically died. And it was also my first death ever. So the month of May, bless you, yeah. The month of May was super uh, bad for me. Um, and then 
I was I'm very much a workaholic and so I just covered it up in work I was just like literally the day after I broke up with my boyfriend I woke up and I was like all right everybody let's go to the studio we're gonna work really hard today and it was like that was my way of covering it up and then you definitely like worked them into the ground that day yeah no they I definitely was hated <laughs> no I was like we just gotta work 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 and I remember my one of my best friends Tori was like are you okay and I was like what are you talking about? I'm fine. And he was just like, this bitch is crazy. <laughs> and um, the like maybe three days after my best friend died, I just got back into work. And I was um, I'm very much sometimes like a person where I overthink and I'm like, am I just being lazy? Like, am I blaming what's going on? Like with being unproductive. And I just like covered myself in work and um I didn't talk about it, which was probably the worst part about it because I felt like if I talked about it with my teammates or the people that I was around, it was going to cause them to be unmotivated or sad or, you know, bring down the energy. So I just kept it a secret. I just didn't talk about it. And then like six months later, I realized like I was contemplating suicide and I like didn't feel anything. And I remember like sitting in the car and looking out the window on the way to the studio and being like, I haven't felt anything like nothing for so long like what's the point of dancing what's the point of anything like so my traumatic moment really made me contemplate the point of everything um and I think it was because I was never able I didn't give myself the grace period of being like I need to take a break I need to hang out with my family I need to come back to, to conclusion of who I am and what my morals are and how I move even through a hard time and I, I think I was trying to be so tunneled vision into my goals and who I was meant to be that I didn't allow myself to grieve and be a human. And months later, that like really caught up with me and I caught myself in bad relationships and bad situations. And I was like, damn, like I tweaked, like I was so clouded. I was just letting myself like kind of roll through things and I wasn't being like my responsible self, you know? Um, and it wasn't until January that I was able to like I went on a vacation with my mom and my sister, which like those are like the two and my little brother, which are like the three closest people to me ever. And I went for a nine day vacation and I was just completely honest with them. I cried like so much. And when I came back home, I literally changed everything about myself. I was like, that was the first time in almost eight months I was able to be honest and I was able to take a step back and breathe and step away from my career. Like I was just, for real being honest with myself and honestly like the last what's June is June now like the last four months have been super beautiful because I'm being honest with myself and I'm being honest with the people around me and if I'm having a bad day I'll talk about it you know I won't overly sit there and be like ah, da, 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 da. like I won't sulk but I've realized the importance of if you're an entrepreneur, you have to understand when it's your time to take a break, when it's your time to talk about things, and when it's your time to give off energy. Because if you hide all of that, it's just gonna build up, build up, build up, and it was a it, it, it'll turn around to be just be bad for yourself. But I think everyone deals with trauma in their own ways and grief in their own ways, and it's just about learning who you are and how you deal with those things and how you move forward. That, that would be like the biggest thing for me. I just didn't know how to talk about it. I didn't want to be like the Debbie Downer. Oh, you're the energetic person, huh? Yeah, like even sometimes when I have like a day where I'm tired, like just tired, like there'll be nothing wrong with me. I'm just tired because I've had a long day. People will come up to me and be like, bro, are you okay? 
what's going on with you? Are you fine? I'm like, yes, I'm just tired today. Fuck. Like, I, I don't have to be on 10 all the time. There's so much with that. There really is. And I've come to the point. I was just talking to him about it last week where I was at this point where I couldn't really tell you what was wrong with me and I couldn't even put it into words. I couldn't write about it. I felt like it was affecting how I was working at this point. And it was so fucked up because I didn't want to be like that. I was like, bro, like I used to use this to fuel me. Like if I was fucked up, if I had a problem, let me go write about it. Let me go rant about it. I couldn't even do that. And I still feel like I'm trying to come out of that shit and I don't even know what's going on. Uh, sometimes you're just in that slump and it's like, fuck, how do I get out of this shit? You know what I'm saying? Like the line on the sadness. Oh, hey, low key, I was just talking about it. I'm like, bro, like once that sadness is gone, like, what do I got? Like, what am I going to talk about? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not like I can just come up with new shit. Do you like being by yourself? Well, being by myself in what way? Like just being alone. Just being alone. Yeah. I like to be active. I like to be doing shit. I yeah, me like too. To but do you like be- to be alone? Like, can you spend, like, three days all by yourself? No, I couldn't spend three days by myself. I think that's what, like, made me. Because I was very, I was becoming super codependent on being around people. And then I was, like, every time I wasn't around, because I was also out of a relationship, you know. So when you're in a relationship, you, you you always got somebody around you. And then I moved out. I moved out by myself. And for the first time, I wasn't around people. And I would catch myself always FaceTiming somebody. Like FaceTime would end. Okay, I'm going to go FaceTime my other friend. And let me FaceTime my other friend. And I was like, yo, I hate being by myself. Like I can't sit in my mind by myself. And that's what really caused me to grow into, I think, a more mature person. Because I was able to sit down and be like, what's the real reason I'm not okay with being by myself? So what was the reason? The real reason was because my love language is touch and words of comfort. And that's just how I was raised. Um, being the youngest, obviously, everybody loves on you all day. And being all by myself made me, like, tweak. I don't know. It would just be, like, I'd, like, look around and be, like, damn, there's no one around me. And I don't know. Now I just feel very comfortable in my, in my abs- like, in people's absence. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, did, it definitely didn't take away how much I love being around people. Three days sounds excessive. So I hope that by the time I turn, like, 30, I can go on, like, a retreat where, like, you can't talk for, like, a week. And you're not around anyone for a week. And it's like, you cannot talk. That's just intense. It's so intense. But I feel like it would be so cool. Just like super send out. See, Come back floating and shit. Like <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like when you say you like being by yourself. Like, yeah, I like myself. I like myself enough to be by myself for a couple like hours. You know, maybe even the day I could just chill out and be like, yo, I'm not talking to anybody. Mm-hmm. But as far as like three days, three days is a little excessive. Right. Cry a little bit third day like i'm so bored fuck (laughs) i would probably jump out a window if that shit happened to me low-key well the thing about being alone is you start to really like realize what you like to do you know i think i'm always around people so i like to adapt i'll adapt to whatever anyone likes um and when i spend time by myself i'll be like hmm i like to read books and I like to. Do you like to read for I real? Li- yeah, I for <laughs> real like. To, but I only, li- but I only like to read when I've been alone for a while. Like I think it's like the noise of other people starts to cloud me sometimes. And when I've spent a lot of time with myself, it's like, I was like, okay, I really actually like to eat healthy, and I like to work out, and I like to meditate, and I like to read books, and I like to do all these things. But sometimes being around energy all the day, 
I like absorb it and then I'm giving it out all the time. So I can't really, I don't really have enough time to really just sit by myself and realize like, what do I like to do? Like what actually makes me happy outside of making other people happy? Um, and I like reading books, you know, like self-fulfillment books. But yeah, honestly, I just feel like the greatest artists always use their pain to fuel, right? Uh, Nico Supremo, he used uh, loss as his fuel. Alan, whenever, you know, depression he used for that feeling. Uh, who else did I put? Bad Bunny, he used Amorfola, heartbreak, like basic shit. But that's the shit that makes you like memorable. It's those moments that you're able to relate to people. And I feel like that's that's the beauty in it, right? The beauty in making music is that you're expressing yourself and people are relating to it. One of my favorite songs from Nico Supremo is Embrace. And he says, just seen you take your last breath. Now I'm lost. I don't see a clear path to move on. Because day to day, I can't see your face. Rather be you than be me and switch places. And I think about that a lot is that like, Damn, bro, you were down that bad at that moment that you were like, I'd rather it be me than you that's gone now. And that shit just hit because I'm like, damn, bro, like, just think about that, right? Anybody can relate to that shit. And those sad moments that you have is like, you're so vulnerable. And I don't hear people making music like that, really, especially people who are not at, you know, an international level. When you're at a local level, you're. What are people singing about? About money, drugs, drugs, bitches. Yeah, I wasn't gonna <laughs> say it, but thank you. you said <laughs> it. That's what people are talking about because they want to be relatable. They want people to just see them for the fame, right? But you got people like that that make real music that is gonna relate to people. Absolutely, I feel like a big journey of finding my brand was being honest. Um, I think when I first joined the dance industry, it was like really about, oh, like always look like you're on top, always look like you're the best, always make sure there's good lighting and you're wearing the best outfit. And I tried that and it was so ungenuine that it wasn't only not working for me, but it wasn't working for my brand. Um, and it wasn't until I started showing myself cleaning the studio and like doing the work and like having those moments that weren't always so strong that people really started to like latch on and relate to me and support me as like fans um because I was being honest about what I go through as a as a Latina business owner as a dancer and I remember when I first like even stepped foot into the dance industry I would look up dancer choreographer vlogs because I wanted to know what these personalities were. I wanted to know what it meant to be a choreographer or to be a business owner, and I could never find anything, really. It would just be like people going to Starbucks, going to the show, going to sleep, and I'd be like, they didn't really show me much. And so now I like take a lot of pride in my brand being something that people can develop from. So they can go on my page and be like, oh, this is how she does it. Oh, this is the bad stuff she goes through. Like for me, health is a really big journey. Like for a few weeks, I'll be like super healthy and I'll work out every single day and I'll eat super healthy. And then I'll like eat hella fried chicken and then I'll go to bed at like 5 a.m. and wake up later and then I wanna work out. Um, but I think it's like being vulnerable with my f supporters and my followers that has really helped me to like expand to the next level because I just honestly think being phony was never a part of my plan. And like the, the, the like, 
I don't even want to say phony because I know it works for some people and I know like people make their living out of that and I don't want to knock it. Honestly, like being like about that clout and about that money shit, like that shit's lame to me. Like honestly, like when I meet a guy and that's kind of like what they portray themselves off to me, like it's already like an instant like I'm not into you, even as a friend, even as a person. Like, I yeah, no, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna head out. Um, but I like people that are genuine. I like people that have been through the struggle. I like people that know how to keep learning, because I feel like when you feel like you're that big dog and you feel like you got all the chains and all the bitches and all the money, like, who are you for real? Do you know how to have a real conversation? Are you okay? Like, let's talk about stuff like that, you know? And um, I think that's what really, like, supported my brand is just being fucking real with people, you know? Like, it takes a lot of fucking work to be where you want to be, but let me show you how to get there. And people don't see the behind the scenes. They only see what you fucking portray. Mm -hmm. So I think that showing that behind the scenes is really important because, like I said, not everybody's going to know what's going on, right? You could be having the worst day of your life, but you're supposed to portray, like, oh, I'm okay, Absolutely. Which isn't the reality. It's not the reality of things. And, you know, you just kind of have to, again, I think life is all about finding your your spectrum, finding your balance and what makes me feel comfortable, what makes other people around me feel comfortable. Um, life is just such a perspective and such a, a spectrum. I think the older generation was really stuck on black and white. It's either this way or it's this way. And there's no in between. And, like, growing up, I've just really realized, like, not only is it my own spectrum, but I have to respect other people's spectrum. So if I'm at a 10 and someone's at a 6, I just have to respect that. Or if I'm at a 6 and I'm at a 10, I shouldn't be jealous or I shouldn't envy. I just be, should be admiring this person and being like, yo, these are these are skills that I, I need to develop for myself to be the better version of myself. And I think um, <clears throat> as women, we're like raised to be jealous of each other. Like when you grow up, I know from I know for myself and a lot of the people I've been around like when you get in a squabble with another girl your mom's quick or your aunts or sisters are quick to be like oh she's just jealous of you and that creates such a toxic idea because then you grow up always thinking someone's jealous of you and you don't really like turn around to look at yourself as like am I the toxic one are you the toxic one I've been the toxic one I've been I've been the dummy of multiple times in my life and like, I don't regret it. I think I've learned a lot, and I think I'm the woman I am today because of all the mistakes I've made. Um, but I've definitely been the toxic one. Uh, and I'm sure I will be it a few more times in my learning process, but I take a lot of pride in, like, understanding who I am and what I'm meant to do. And, like, when I learn my lessons, I really, like, be sitting with myself and learning my lessons. I fuck with you. Because you know you can call yourself toxic. Hell yeah. <laughs> if you can't call yourself toxic, you're toxic as fuck. <laughs> like, come on. We're all learning. We're all learning, especially if you're under the age of fucking 40. You don't know shit. Like, I'm 23 years old. There's no reason why I should be out here thinking I'm fucking up here. Like, I, know I have so much to learn. I have so much to fuck up. And you, right after you fuck up with something i feel like you're always like oh i fucking regret that like i should have never done that and but it helps you it, it helps, helps you grow, grow up yeah it helps yeah. you grow and that's that's the thing that i always want to focus on is that like okay how did it help me rather than damn i really fucking did that man you know how many nights after i you know woke up and i'm like fuck why'd i do that shit stupid stupid <laughs> stupid stupid <laughs> i just i just hit him with the it really be like that sometimes it really be like that sometimes, literally <laughs> 
does. It really do be like that. And I don't know. I think it's just, it's a beautiful thing to fuck up. It's a beautiful thing to learn from your fuck ups. Because I think a lot of people are like, it's okay to fuck up. And then they just keep fucking up over and over and over and over. And then I think that's how you get stuck in that loop. And that's um, for my myself. I've seen older family members and older people get stuck in this loop where like they're just crabby and mad and sad and they're mad at the world yeah just negative people you know what i'm saying and it's just like it's just because no one ever allowed you to grow outside of your mistakes and everyone always just like boxed you in if like you were doing this that's just what you are like if you were a gangbanger when you were 14 that's what you are for the rest of your life that's not true like my cousins and brothers were fucking Latin kings, gangbangers, got deported, like shot people, stabbed people, like growing up, like it was, it was bad. And it like, and it wasn't until now they're older, you know, they're like 26, 30, they have families, they have kids. And I'm like, yo, if the police would have shot them and killed them because they were doing that shit when they were kids, like they would have never had the opportunity to grow into these wonderful men that they are now for their family. And, like, that's what really makes me, like, almost enraged when I see these kids or, like, cops killing each other at such a young age. Because, like, realistically, these kids are just stuck in a system. And once they get older, they, like, grow from it. And I've seen my family members grow from it. So, like, it's just very beautiful. To me, it's very important to allow people to grow outside of the box that you've created for them. And not only other people, but yourself. I feel like you had a lot to say. I'm really happy that you came through. And you're just, like, super energetic, so thank you, even though it's, like, 10.30 p.m. right now. <laughs> thank you. This is my prime hours. I told you where we at. You didn't Party, party, party. What do you mean? Where oh, we at? Where we at? What the fuck does party, party, party mean? Bounce? When bounce is the move? <laughs> you guys. Look, my biggest model is there's no boring people. There's just boring places, so. All right. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. That's going to be all, guys. Thanks for watching. Make sure you guys go ahead, like, comment, and subscribe. Thank you for watching. Sad Boys for Real. Peace out. This is Sad Boy Radio.